three, two, one, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with another episode of the Bedroom to Boardroom podcast, where we delve into the stories of people from underrepresented backgrounds. The focus is always the guest, but I'm the host for today's episode, AJ. So without further ado, let's get started. With another episode of season two. I'm not sure what episode this will be, maybe five or six, uh, it's hard to keep track. But here we have an old friend, a friend from university, um, my favorite social media influencer. Posts actually very informative content. A lot of the fitness industry posts content that is nonsensical and just trying to promote their own personal agenda. But the content you post is quite informative. So here we have Anas. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. Thank you for that introduction. Um, I'm glad to hear that uh, you find my stuff informative uh i do agree with you a lot of stuff is has been and still is being put out uh being put out with the agenda or with you know personal agendas in mind trying to sell stuff uh what i'm trying to do is just keep it as as real as possible provide value with uh to as many people that i can actually reach out to now i say that having been one of those people who i just like I spoke quite negatively on in terms of people who just put content out just to sell their own persons. So I've sold, oh, I've sold, I've sold booty builders. Um, I've sold six pack workouts. I've sold push pull workouts. I've sold all of it. And um, in hindsight, it was pretty, pretty, pretty fucked up because you know how the fitness industry tends to go. It's kind of it's like most industries, it's smoke and mirrors. It's you have a male with a six pack and ripped to, to shit. You have a female with a very, very nice derriere and a six pack and suddenly their purely aesthetics provides them with the ability to provide you with what you think is informative information and in hindsight, it's not. And what I've clearly seen is the people who tend to spread this misinformation tend to like scale quicker and be able to like reach the masses quicker than people who actually provide real informative, actionable insights, which is weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I was just actually on YouTube right now, just going through, um, just going through a bunch of fitness profiles, and um, you know, at, at this time, I'm trying to grow my online presence um, because I am trying to make an online or grow my online business. So I'm trying to learn from from different uh, personalities online, and you're you're completely right. The the people who have the biggest audiences. Um, are unfortunately usually chatting the most shit. Um, with that being said, there's a lot of, there are a few, sorry, of, of, uh, of these guys and girls that are giving out good information. Um, but there's a trend. There's a trend, you know. If you look good, um, you're way more likely to, to have a big following. Um, that is the case. I, I understand why that is the case. Um, people want to look at things that look good. That's just natural human instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just um unfortunate circumstance, I guess, that, that people that are trying to break into this industry have to deal with. You know, I and mean, it's not all brains. It's so as somebody who has like, I post completely nonsense on my social media account, and I don't know why people follow me because the shit is not interesting. It's so dumb. And people, people still do. And it's part of the, the, the gravitas, that initial value proposition is they see the picture, they see the profile, they see the abs, and they just follow. Listen, there was one time where, so I troll a lot because I just think social media is quite, quite oh, silly yeah. and people, people should take it that seriously. So I literally posted a picture of myself with a six pack and said, hey, um, here is the Subway cookie diet only. 
swipe up to, to access to this workout plan. And 112 people just click the swipe up link and try to download some bullshit. I, put. <laughs> I was like, wow, you really think the secret is you just eat Subway cookies and work out like once a week and this is the, the, the shortcut to success. No, no, it definitely is not. It definitely is not. There, there is some, there is some, um, you know, that's a, that's a big selling point for um, the majority of the population, mm. um, which again, I understand, you know, you see something that looks good. You see someone that you aspire to look like, you want to do what they are doing or what they have done to, to get them to this point. Uh, but there's just so much to consider in, in terms of, you know, your your actual genetic makeup, your uh, lifestyle. Lifestyle is a huge one. Um, you know, the, the resources that you have at hand, you know, what kind of training facilities are you going to? What kind of money do you have to be buying, you know, the right foods, the, the supplementation, mm-hmm. you know, going to a physio regularly to, to, to make sure your body's in check. There's just so many things that people don't consider when going for these uh, programs. You know, what kind of stress you have in your life as well. Stress mm-hmm. is a big one. Um, and, and that can come from a million different things. That can come from your, from actually training. You know, how much stress can your body handle? That can come from your work, from your relationships, from any any kind of point in life. So it's very easy to, to look at someone and see, you know, get a PDF file off of them of what exercises to do. But really and truly, if there's a million other factors that you need to consider. So I feel as if we've jumped the gun here. So let's take a few steps back. And I've done a cool, cool job of actually in- introducing you. So let's let's read your credential, Japan, of social media. So a bachelor's in sports science and a master's in sports business and leadership. You have been so... When I met you, you had qualified as a PT back back home and you had your camera and that's kind of where my interest in photography kind of stemmed from. But I'd love to know, so from coming here to the UK to study um, as you are an international student, how did you know fitness, sports science, um, personal training, general well-being was for you? This has always been something you've known since you were a young boy, young chap, young fella. Oh, um no so let's take it let's take it back at um around in 2009 i'm not mm-hmm. sure how old i must have been at that time i was in year nine so i want to say around 14 sure maybe typically you get the year um, at five and that's how old you were um so yeah i um i broke my leg um playing football and at the time of breaking it you know it went undiagnosed for six months and during that six month period, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't continue to play football. I couldn't run. I couldn't go out. I was basically home ridden for, mm-hmm. for six months. During that period, I ate a lot of shit and I did not uh, move whatsoever. So I gained a lot of fat. Mm. By by year 12, I was, you know, I, I went to the doctor one day and I, you know, when they do those tests and, and classify, you know, with your blood pressure sure. and, and mm-hmm. I was classified as morbidly obese. I saw that and, and literally my heart dropped. I'm like, what? Morbidly obese? That sounds like a medical condition. <laughs> sure. Um, I was 130, 132 kg to be precise at 16 years old. Mate, you were more than me. Um, and <laughs> mate, it was terrible. And um, I was about, I think, one, 178 centimeters, mm. centimeters at the time. Um, and... 
you know, I wanted to do something about it. I didn't know what to do, but, you know, the intention was there. Uh, with that being said, I didn't follow through that intention. Couple sure. Fast forward a couple of uh, weeks, I think, or months, there's this thing um, that we call, uh, in, in school, we called it the International Day. And uh, I'm not sure how the schools are in the UK, but in, mm-hmm. back here, we, we'd have an International Day. And a part of that day, each um, group of students from a certain country will you know, set a performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, from Palestine, we have a folk dance. It's called Debke. And um, what we've done is the outfits that we were wearing, we got them from the embassy. Sure. I'm backstage about to go out, perform in front of God knows how many people, minimum 500 to 600 people. And we're putting on the, the clothes backstage and it's like a robe, right? And the robe is not closing. It's meant to wrap around me twice. <laughs> Mate, it's, it's meant to wrap around me twice and this thing didn't even close once. <sighs> okay. Yeah, so I had to, like, I remember freaking out. I took out a shoestring for my shoe. <laughs> attached it to the, yeah, man, I attached it to either side of the rope, kind of tied it on, and I was so embarrassed. I had to go out there in front of all these people knowing that, you know, I'm too big for these clothes. Um, so from that day, I made a decision, and it was, I don't know, it's like it, something took over my head. I was like, I'm losing all this fat, some way, shape, or form. I'm doing it, and I'm doing it as soon as possible. Um... So yeah, I remember that day as well. There's so much food flowing around, food from every country at different stalls. Didn't touch any of it. Um, and that's where I really began. You know, thankfully, my mom uh, supported me fully at that time. She took me to a nutritionist who, you know, gave me a cookie cutter program on what to eat. It was crazy shit. Uh, you know, some weeks she was telling me just eat pineapples for the entire week. Nothing else other than pineapples. But I can't lie, it, whatever he gave me worked. I'm not sure if it was healthy or not. I remember in the first week dropping 6 kg. Wow. I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to make this work. I dropped down eventually from, in that year, from year 12, I dropped down from about from 132 to about 70, 75. So almost half my body weight just disappeared. Wow. Now, fast forward, uh, fast forwarding, I uh, obviously year 12 the way it works for us is after year 12, you know, you go to uni. It's not the British system where you go college and, mm-hmm. and uni. Straight to uni after that. I was 16, so I was a year younger than most people. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, but I never really thought about it. It didn't seem like a big decision in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, my well, my dad's an engineer. I'm going to do the same thing my dad does. So I went off to uni at, um, in Canada. And I did engineering, civil engineering, mm-hmm. for three years. And bear in mind, during during this time, when I entered uni, I was a fitness freak. I was trying to learn everything about the body, how to lose fat, sure. you know, how to train well. Um, I was putting together the pieces myself. So I only, I only ever worked with a nutritionist. Uh, that stopped after like six months. I just kept repeating what he was telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of training, that was pretty much all me. And thanks to YouTube, I got to learn some pretty useful stuff. Um, now, there's, a, there's one guy that really, really and truly I, I learned everything from, and his name was Elliot Hulse. I'm not sure if you're aware of him. Yep. Yeah, so it was all um, mostly his stuff. Um, and then when I got into uni, I was training nonstop, you know, two times a day. Yeah, I saw um, you, man. You were in busting your ass. <laughs> man, that was, in, that was in Canada. That wasn't even in London. This is oh, wow, shit. Oh, yeah. So I went to uni for engineering at first. Mm. This is 
probably three years before he saw me. So this is between 2012 and 2015. Okay. Um, and the, the way sports works in, in Canada is it's a lot more uh, intense, from my experience, than what we see in uh, the UK. You know, in the UK, for any sports team, anyone can walk in, try out. And, you know, even if you don't make the first team, you're, you're allowed to be on the bench. In Canada, it's like you know, there's money in that business. So mm-hmm. you're you you come in in a scholar with a scholarship. Um, there's strict training times for strength conditioning for you know field training. Homecoming was a big one. You know, you'd buy tickets to watch your university team play. And um, what I'm trying to get out of this is, I would whilst training, I would see the American football team and the rugby team and the volleyball team, all the university teams training in that same gym. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you know, that, that looked awesome to me, that environment of, you know, there was a coach telling them what to do. Everyone's going nuts in the gym. I, I fell in love with that vibe. I was always trying to be one of them, mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately didn't have any, any experience in any other sport, any of the sports that um, they were playing. Um, so I tried to, you know, stay working out at the times that they'd work out, do what they do. And eventually I started talking to one of the strength conditioning coaches and I managed to get like a assistant job um, internship uh, with the American football team. And when I say that internship, it was like, you know, racking their plates, making sure they did enough reps, nothing too crazy. From there, that was the first year, right? And from there, I, um, I fell in love with this. I'm like, why am I doing engineering? Listen, I need to... I need to be doing something related to this. All good with the audio, by the way. Perfect. I'm just making notes, man. Apologies. <laughs> it's telling me a lot of stuff. There. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to bring it back. I'm trying to bring it back. Uh, is the audio all good? Perfect. All right, cool. So, um, where was I? Yeah, I got an internship. And I, yeah, I told myself, why am I doing engineering? This is not something I want to do. So I called my parents. I'm like, guys, this is, uh, I want to change. This is not for me. Um, difficult conversation. I couldn't kill. Sorry? It's been a very difficult conversation. <laughs> Terrible. Um, <laughs> but they didn't, they didn't even say yes. They were like, nope, you're, you're going to finish what you started. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, shit, okay. Made it to second year. Uh, same thing. We had that conversation. Must have had it at least four times throughout that year. Still said no. I'm like, fuck, okay. Come back third year. And I don't know what must have happened in third year. I think I got sick. There was a period where I got sick for like a week and I was just mm-hmm. at home. And um, my housemate was back home with his family and it was just me. Um, and I really got to thinking, like there was no distractions at this point. I couldn't go gym. I was preparing for my exams. I just told myself, this is not what I want to be doing. You know, I logged on to the university portal and I basically dropped out. I was like, no, this is not for me. Hold on a second. Um, Dropped out and um, then I called my parents and I told them, well, listen, guys, I'm I'm done. I'm I'm changing. They went nuts, uh, as you would expect. Mm. Um, they didn't take me seriously. They were like, no, 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 no. You have to sign. Like, you didn't drop out. You're just bluffing. Uh, but I actually did. And uh, I stayed there for the I, for the second semester and I worked in a gym. 
came back, tried to sort it all out. Um, like they weren't having any of it, but thankfully they they still supported me mm-hmm. to, you know, I wanted to do what it was called. It was called in Canada kinesiology, which is basically mm-hmm. sports science. Over there, it was a long, long program. It was about four years and then you'd have to do a master's and do a bunch of shit to get qualified. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the UK, when I was doing some research, I found out that there was a three-year program. Brunel. And that's, um, you know, that's when I decided to, to move to London and uh, th- they supported me throughout, it, uh, you know, to, to actually get to the university and whatnot. That was the first year. There was a lot of problems, um, you know, relationships sort of broken down with my parents, but like, obviously they were still supportive. So I can't say that it's, it was broken down completely, but they just weren't happy at first. Um, but then as soon as I got into uni, I, um, they saw how serious I was, you know, I got myself a part-time job in the first year. I started my own coaching business in the second year. Um, and as time moved on, they, you know, that broken down relationship turned into, uh, you know, completely converted. They, they were calling me, telling me how proud they are of me and how, uh, how much they wanted to see me succeed. Uh, and I couldn't be more thankful for that, um, because that kept sort of driving me, you know, I didn't have the, uh, that pressure of, of continuing to please them anymore. And, um, yeah, after that decided to get my sports business degree in, um, from Loughborough and now I'm back here living with the family. So after seven years of of moving about, I'm back, uh, I'm back where it all started. The prodigal son has, has returned home. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So I so you shared a lot, but like a few things I want to touch upon is the moment where you realize you were like morbidly obese um, and wanting to make the change but not making a change. Typically, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. It's change only really happens when we hit like quasi like rock bottom, where the the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of growth. And where there is nowhere to go but to forwards to the point where we need to change. How did you find the the time frame of one learning a new habit, which is fitness, or going back to a new habit? And what made you finally want to change? Was it seeing what was achievable by others? Um. So the, the first time, the, you know, when I, I when I got that sheet from the doctor that said morbidly obese, um, I felt terrible about myself. But that was, you know, that was something that I can't explain it. I I only saw that paper. I think it was just me and my mom. Sure. We only saw that. So it wasn't um, it wasn't like uh, you know it got the idea rolling in my head, but. The pain, I guess, in out outweigh the uh, what was it they said? The pain outweighs the the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of growth. Yeah, I I guess that didn't surpass it didn't surpass at that point. Mm. But then when I had to step up on stage and be publicly humiliated in my, yeah, so, in my so, eyes, fat, so fat shaming the works. Is that you're telling me? In the... <laughs> I hate to say this, man. I hate to say this, <laughs> but I'm. Like I'm a, living proof because of my personal experiences, though. 
Mm. Like it's because of my personal experience. I think that fat shaming totally worked on me. You know, that, that was the main, that was the first big kick in the ass that, that um, worked for me. So but nowadays you get slaughtered for even try to, trying to tell someone that they're slightly overweight. So for me, it completely worked. So why, why I brought this up is I remember at times I was at university, I did like my level uh, two personal training qualifications. Never quite got to like being a, a fully qualified PT. Um, you do you know maybe yeah, it's at university. You're being creative in how you onboard clients and how you deal with clients. And I remember there was some and the difficulty I always found was helping people break past those bad habits they had and help them create and form new habits. Um, I believe you're somewhat in a different situation since mostly like you work with like athletes who already have that like initial drive. But but I'd love to maybe hear your not thoughts. anymore though, not anymore. Okay, not Even anymore. Better. So how do you yeah. help those who, lack of a better term, need others to help them help themselves? Uh, I that's a very good question. First of all, because I think that's the hardest part about my mm-hmm. job. It's so easy putting together a program, you know, progressive training program sets, reps, exercises. That stuff is is a joke, not a joke, but it's it just comes to me now naturally. Uh, what I found that the, the greatest struggle in, in training people is, like you said, getting in their head to change the habits that have gotten them to the point where they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what I do is number one, and I think this is very important as, um, and it's the reason why people invest in you as a trainer is I share the way, you know, my pattern of thinking and Mm -hmm. I drill it into their head. You know, if, if, um, food, you know, overeating is, is a problem, then I would show them, you know, I would talk about my problems with, with overeating and how I dealt with that, you know, the, the, the ways that I've, you know, the, the, um, what, how do I say this? the habits that I've set up for myself in order to shy away from, from overeating Mm -hmm. and the consequential thinking, you know, the guilt tripping yourself for overeating, all those sort of thought patterns I would share with them. And then I would continue to drill it in their head every, and this, this doesn't last always. So this is maybe for the first week to three weeks where I'm just constantly reminding them of these thought patterns and I'm using certain language with them that that sort of um, exaggerates that way of thinking it's like certain phrases certain words I would just continue continuously repeat now they might not know what I'm doing here but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to at least subconsciously get them to speak in my language now after that two to three week period, if I continue to repeat the same thing, they're going to clock on or they just might figure out that it's just, you know, it, it won't mean the same thing anymore. It's just going to be another one of those phrases that coach uses. So after that, I try to keep them accountable, you know, daily. Uh, what I try to do as well, is, uh, or what I try to do at least is daily checkups. Now, as the number of clients that I work with grow, daily checkups become harder. So I do a... Um, an end of week Google form mm-hmm. that they have to fill out. And they t- tell me about their positive, um, you know, the positives that they have in this week. 
and then not the negatives, but the things that could they could have done better. So I tried to frame it in a way that's more positive for them. Although it's something that they shouldn't have done, we don't want them to, to reiterate the fact that they shouldn't have done it, but just tell us how you could have done it better. So what I hope to achieve, after, uh, what I hope for them to achieve out of that, uh, filling that Google form is accountability, you know? Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just a matter of, of being on top of their heads, just continuously asking, keeping them accountable, but more importantly, sharing the thought process. Because again, people invest in a trainer, not because of, you know, how many or the type of exercises that they, uh, or the program they design. They invest in the trainer because they, they know, they know them, they trust them and they want to absorb their way of thinking about fitness. Mm. Does that make sense? um, Very much so. Now is like a great time of, I mean, great is probably the wrong show. Now is a very interesting time with this current pandemic that, that we're globally facing where majority of people no longer have access to ability to go to the gym and exercise and the solace, the um, relaxation, the, 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 the mental clarity that provides them. Everyone's cooped up indoors. So now is actually a perfect time for yourself as an online coach to, to onboard like new users. So how have you found this last two to, to three weeks in regards to working with your clients, maybe onboarding new clients? Man, um, so when this first broke out, I was heartbroken because I wasn't doing any online training at that point. Mm-hmm. I was just purely one-on-one. So um, first the clients started to say, well, I don't feel safe in the gym anymore. Let me just take a week off and hopefully this will blow. Sure. And I was getting agitated by that. I was like, well, we've worked so hard. I don't want you to take a week or two off and then we have to restart. Sure. And I wasn't seeing their point of view. I didn't realize how deep this thing is. Um, and then after that, you know, um, more clients start to do, to do the same thing. And then gyms closed. And mm-hmm. then once gyms closed, I was still trying to fight it like, no, listen, I, I bought a bunch of equipment off of Amazon, a bunch of, a bunch of weights, bands. And I'm like, no, we're going to go to the park. We're going to continue. This shit isn't stopping us from training. Um, and I continued to fight it. And then parks closed, you know, parks and beaches, all public spaces closed. And mm-hmm. we're not allowed to go outside unless it's, um, you know, you're going to the hospital or mm-hmm. supermarket or whatnot. So after that, for the, I sat down for two weeks, just frustrated um, because I had gone from like days of 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. or even more to just suddenly nothing. You know, it was like everything went silent and I'm just sitting there at home. Families everywhere. You know, you don't get any private space. You don't get room to think. Um, But then after those two weeks, again, I guess the pain of staying the same outweighed the pain of... I keep fucking up that phrase. Growing, now growing. I get what it means. <laughs> but yeah, I just I couldn't just stay sitting there and waiting waiting for it to blow over. So I looked in, looked into a bunch of online resources, uh, looked at how online coaches do it, and uh, began you know building a platform. I'm using the software to uh, coach some people. Um, it's pretty cool, you know. You you put down your program. There's videos on there for every single um, exercise that you put down. You can link it to their nutrition calendar, like my fitness pal. Mm-hmm. We can message through there, send each other videos. Uh, what I did was I on like I took some of my old clients um, and I moved them onto this software, mm-hmm. and then 
Always a bit shocked that people still listen to me. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of part one. Stay tuned where we'll be dropping episode two um, or part two in a few days. <laughs>